On this summer edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast, we look ahead to football camp, expectations, predictions, all that and more on this edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast. Welcome to a special summer edition of the show. Dirk Facer here with Mike Sorensen. Mike, football camp starts this week. Uh, the Utes have high expectations. Yeah, they sure do. It's amazing. It's just uh, it's still July, but uh, camp gets underway in a couple of days, and, and then it's four weeks to the start of the season, so it's coming up quick. Mike, uh, they've been in the Pac-12. This will be their ninth year. First time they've ever been picked to win it. Are they worthy of that uh, lofty expectation? Oh, yeah, definitely this year. I mean, it, and a lot of it's because Utah's, Utah's very good, but, uh, you know, you have to admit the rest of the division is kind of down. So yeah. that's part of the deal. If they had some other strong teams, they, they might go with, you know, the uh, USC's and UCLA's might be favored just because they're the name teams. But they're they're both kind of uh, not quite up to what they've usually been. And so, it, you know, it makes sense for Utah to be favored this year. Mike, did, did it surprise you it's taken nine years for Utah to become a favorite? Obviously, they won the division in their eighth year, but uh, to now be considered the team to beat, did, did you think it would take this long? Well, you know, in some ways, not really, because, you know, a lot of people, I mean, of course, those were maybe naysayers would say they're not going to make the Rose Bowl till 2046 or something, you know? Right. And like it's never going to happen. Or like Arizona. Yeah, still Arizona still hasn't, right? And they've been in it for what, 40 years or something. Right. So, yeah, not really. I think that maybe you, you thought maybe within 10 years, they could be this way, and it's been a little less than ten. So you know, I think it's not that that surprising, and they're they're deserving of it. Well, you know, it's, this is the ninth year, and every team in the South has won the South, been in the Pac-12 championship game, all six teams. Nobody has repeated though. UCLA went to the first two, but they went to the first one because USC wasn't eligible. So maybe you can throw that out and say they weren't the true division champs that year. Maybe they were. Maybe they won't. It's debatable. But since then, nobody's repeated. Why do you think that is? Well, it's pretty, it's, you know, it's been a fairly balanced deal, you know, and, and, and teams are up and down. I mean, Colorado's really only had one good year and they, and that's the year they won it and right. they haven't done anything since or before. So that was kind of a fluke maybe. And some of the other teams, you, USC's always right up there, although they had a bat down year last year. But, you know, that's just the way it goes. I think there's just a lot of good teams and there's not really one outstanding. You know, major, like Washington's kind of dominated the other division, and 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 Stanford's been up there every year, and it's just like everyone kind of takes turns in the South. Yeah, and I think USC is the only team to to win the Pac-12 championship game. The North has just dominated that championship game for years and years. Could this be the year Utah? Could break through. They were considered the favorite at the Pac-12 media poll, but that's a little bit skewed because of the fact that Oregon and Washington received a lot of votes. So if you combine those votes, you could say maybe the North Division champ is a little more considered the favorite. But do you consider Utah the favorite to win the championship, not just of the South, but of the whole enchilada this year? Well, they had a good chance at it. You know, the fact is that you look at last year, they were extremely close to winning, you know, against Washington. Right. That fluke play just kind of, you know, killed them. That was it. And otherwise it was a tie game and they, they could have won that game. So you figure if they're that close last year, they're better this year and Washington maybe isn't as good this year, although Oregon might be better, you know, so the, the odds are they have a, a really good chance if they can get to that point to uh, actually uh, win it. All right. Let's talk about X factors. What you players should opponents not sleep on this season, Mike? Is there somebody that going into camp that you think people ought to watch out for? 
Well, I think maybe uh, maybe the linebackers, you know, everybody talks about they lost the two linebackers last year. Uh, were very good guys. They both, you know, were, I mean, went to NFL teams, you know, at least temporarily one of them. And so, you know, these guys, um, Francis Bernard and and the guy from Penn State, you know, they both, uh, they're both, you know, very good players and they might just step right in and take in the... Uh, and you know, is it Bowen? What's his first name? Bowen. Uh, Manny, Manny Bowen. Bowen yeah. yeah so those two guys, uh, they could step right in, and they might have a problem with depth, you know, at that position. But uh, I think there are a couple of guys because you know the the defensive backs are, you know, that's one of the strengths of the team. The D line, D line's always one of their strengths. Everybody knows about the quarterback and the running back, uh, Britton Covey. You know, the receivers they got some good tight ends. So you know, I think everybody's expecting good things there. But you know, maybe they're not expecting things from linebacker where they might be better than people think. Right. You know, and last. Last year, Cody Barton and Chase Hansen were the top two tacklers on the team, so um, it's a big void to fill, but it looks like talent-wise, I mean, Bernard and uh, Bowen can live up to past expectations or the way they played at BYU and Penn State, respectively. They should be okay. Yeah, I would think so, you know, and then they just it's just a matter of uh, how, how deep they are after that, you know, if they can right. have a lot of people... Because one of the you know if someone gets injured then that, that might be a bit of a problem. Well, my guy that I'm thinking about is uh, punter Ben Lennon. I think he's uh, high expectations at least internally, keeping the Australian pipeline alive. At punter, and it seems crazy to talk about a punter as a, being an X factor, but obviously with Mitch Wisnowski and Tom Hackett and the guys Utah's had over the years, it's a position that's benefited the Utes greatly. So uh, if he lives up to the hype that they're giving him internally, that he'll just be the next guy to step in and very talented kid that's my X factor. Well, and they need him too because they, you really, the Utes have been spoiled at the punter position for going on what five years now. Right. Had with the best guy in the league and and best guy in the nation a couple times. So yeah, I think that uh, you know that he's he's a guy that's you know has the pedigree and everything else, being from Australia, and they know him. So I think uh, he's one. We'll have to wait and see, but right. he, he could be better than people are expecting. But there's mighty big shoes <clears throat> he's stepping into, so we'll see how he handles that in addition to his talent. And um, what are some other players, Mike? Do you think? be the keys to success. You know, if you look at the Utes, Tyler Huntley, Zach Moss, Britton Covey are all coming off of injuries this year. They got some holes on the offensive line they need to fill. You know, it's uh, it's almost a hit the brakes just a little bit. The Utes aren't completely uh, loaded and healthy. Uh, they should be going into camp, but as far as the health is concerned, any concern with those guys coming off of injuries? Well, there always is, you know, because, you, you know, some of these injuries, when you have an ACL, that takes, you know, most of a year to get over. And, and so um, and sometimes guys don't come back 100%. So, you know, it has to be a concern with Covey, you know, that he's not going to be maybe the first couple games won't be back to what he was last year. But, uh, you know, he's obviously a hard worker and should come back. And, you know, and, uh, you know, Huntley, I guess he's also uh, apparently worked himself back into shape. And so, you know, he could, um, his injury maybe wasn't as severe as, as Covey's. But, yeah, you always have a concern because you always see these guys who never look the same after an injury. And you wonder why. But I think right. in this case, you might, they hopefully they'll be back and they'll make a, you know, be a big difference for Utah. Does Zach Moss have to rush for a thousand yards for a third straight season for the Utes to be successful this year? Yeah, I think so. You know, he's, uh, I think he was underutilized last year. Everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people thought that, especially early in the year. It's kind of like he thought it too. (laughs) Took a while for Troy Taylor to kind of wake up and say, yeah, this guy's pretty good. We need to use him more than 15 times a game like he was in a couple of those early games, you know, and once he started having 25 or 30 carries, Utah did better. And of course he missed the last, was it five games, four or five games of the season. So that really hurt him. But um, a thousand yards, you know, these days isn't that much when you have 12 games, you know, that's not even a hundred yards a game. 
and he's got to have a lot of 100-yard games, I think, right. especially early on. Well, and, and in that era, too, Mike, he'd be the first Ute to do it three years in a row. Yeah, which, which is, is kind of a changing of the guard because Utah didn't have very many 1,000-yard rushers for a long yeah, time. Yeah, and it is a little deceiving because back in Tony Lindsay's days, wherever right. they only played 10 games or 11 games, whatever. So, yeah, and they played 12 or 13. But, yeah, he's definitely uh, – he's he should be the leading you – know, barring injury, should be the leading rusher – uh, in, in history, uh, maybe by the middle of the season. Yep. Like, did they need guys to catch the football last year? The only guy with more than 32 catches was Britton Covey. Is that, is that an area of concern? And with Andy Ludwig coming in, do you expect the ball to be thrown a little bit more? Yeah, as long as, the, I mean, it doesn't really, I think it's the total number that matters more. You know, if you have 10 guys catching 20 passes, that's great, you know. Uh, and I, there was spread around a lot last year with what, Damari Simpkins and and. Nakua, he's he's back Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know, I think they had a lot of different guys that caught the ball, and, um, and then is it Thompson that's coming in? And he's yeah, uh, Ryan Thompson. He, he sat out Solomon last year. Enos. He got some guys. And Solomon that... Enos, you know, showed he only caught about a dozen, but he was awfully good. And then this Thompson sat out, so he might come in. So I think they got a lot of guys, and then they had the three, two or three tight ends that you know, uh, Fotheringham and. Keithy, uh, so yeah. I mean they, those guys were very good, and they were just freshmen. So I think they have a lot. He has a lot of options. You know, we talk about the offense, and obviously the defense, the key to success. I mean, they've got some people think the best defensive line in the nation. So you know, uh, it's easy to say the defense might be okay because they seem to reload every year. And obviously with Bradley and I and Lucky Foto as all American candidates, uh, they're strong up front. And then Jalen Johnson and uh, Julian Blackman back in the secondary. You know, they should be pretty good. And like you talked about the linebackers, we talked. A little before the show, Mike, about the kicking situation and how that might be a big key to success for the Utes. Right now, they have uh, Jaden Redding and then Andrew Strock, who uh, transferred from UCLA, uh, saw limited action in three years there. They don't really have a Matt Gay in the system right now. I've heard they've been hitting the transfer portal hard, looking for somebody. I don't know if uh, somebody will be brought in during camp or whatever. But right now, that looks like an area of concern going into camp. Yeah, it really does because, uh, you know, the kicker, people, that's another one Utah's taken for granted the last couple of years is that Matt Gay was automatic and he, uh, you know, was won, won the Lou Groza Award. And, you know, that can make a difference. You know, in these three-point games, you miss the field goal, you're going to lose those games, you know. Right. So I think that people kind of maybe underestimate the importance there. And maybe the offense will be good enough. They won't have to rely on field goals like they had to in the past. But uh, they, they do definitely have got, I think that's a concern. And we'll see if they, one of these guys can come through. Because they that's they they need uh, they need a good kicker. Well, it's interesting that punter and kicker, who sometimes are taken for granted, were big weapons for the Utes, and now they're big concerns for the Utes going into the season just because of the fact that they lack experience at both positions right now. Yeah, really, and it could make a you know it could just be one of those factors that makes it so Utah it you know isn't as good as people think they're going to be just because of the kicking situation that uh, you know that can, in these close games it can make a big difference. Mike, you kind of transitioned into the schedule now, uh, breaking that down. What do you think is the most dangerous game of the year for the Utes? I think definitely it's USC. You know, it's the fourth game of the year. They should, uh, you know, by by you know logic should be three and zero at that point. You know, they had a tough first game with BYU, but you know if they can get past those, those first three, when they should should win the second too for sure. But you know, it's a Friday night game. It's on the road. They've never won there. They haven't won there in, I guess, in 103 years or whatever. Right. And you know, you have to remember that game we saw in 2015. Were they six and all or seven and all? Highly rated. They went down there and got their butts kicked, you know. Right. And they were. And USC was an average team that year. So 
that's the one where I think, you know, people might think, oh, they're favored, but USC is, uh, you know, they're still USC in many ways. And, and Utah, you know, it's kind of a have to have to go down there and that atmosphere, it's not easy. So if they lose that game, that, that could maybe start them kind of doubting themselves and who knows if they can, you know, recover from it. But I think if they get through that one, that's going to give them a lot of confidence to keep on going. Any concern that it's a short week? Games, obviously, on a Friday, coming off a very emotional test from the boys from Pocatello, Idaho State, (laughs) Uh, Northern Illinois. I mean, Utah's not really playing any tough games leading up to that. Is that a concern, and is the short week a concern? Not really, because I think, you know, actually USC has the worst of it because they play at BYU the week before. So they play a tougher team on the road, and Utah has an easier team at home. So I think that makes a factor of, you know, you know these guys should be okay. You know, they're these guys, that's what they do for a living or whatever. You know, they play ball. And so I don't think that should be that much of a factor, especially since it's both teams. You know, if, if one team had an extra day, that might make a difference. But Utah might have a little advantage just in the fact that they uh, don't have to as tough a game the week before. Mike, that's a tough story. Stretched open pack twelve play the Utes. Uh, besides, after they play USC, they come home and play a Washington State team that's getting a lot of love. A lot of people think that they might be a real dark horse. Uh, be a contender for the North Division title. Is that two-game stretch maybe the most pivotal stretch? To, I mean, they open Pac-12 play 0-2. That's obviously a humongous hole to dig Didn't they out. do that last year? I think they've done it <laughs> in their day. You're right. But anyway, yeah, it is a hole. That they, and they had to win that Stanford game just to get going again. But no, you, you know, but I didn't realize, I mean, I did realize, but it's been seven years since they beat Washington State. You know, they've been a tough team to beat. Uh, they haven't played them every year, but they've lost four straight so it's not like Washington State's a team you just put in the win column because Mike Leach is, always has a good team and they've come they beat him they beat Utah and Salt Lake, Salt Lake beat him right. last year so you know they got a new quarterback again and it's early in the season that might help Utah a little bit but yeah that's definitely not going to be a, that's going to be one of the tougher games and if they can get past those two then the rest of you know October looks pretty good for them. And then November gets a little more challenging. They start out at Washington, uh, have a bye, come home and play UCLA, and then they go to Tucson the next week. Are those three games a concern too? Well, yeah, Washington has to be because they, they didn't beat them. They lost to them twice last year, and they've beaten them, what, once out of seven or eight times in the Pac-12 era. So, yeah, Washington's always good, and they're one of the favorites, and— you know that's going to be a tough, you know, tough game to win up there in Seattle. So yeah, I think the other ones, UCLA is, you know, they should win that at home. And Arizona though, they've had trouble with Arizona down there. They've lost a couple times when they shouldn't have, and so that's that could be a tough one, especially if they've lost another game before that. They might uh, might be a tough one for them. Well, and you know, this is the big cliche every year, but it still comes down to staying healthy too. If they're, well, of course, if yeah, they're, uh, limping across the finish line, that game in Tucson could be challenging. UCLA and Chip Kelly, they came on a little bit at the end of the year. It'll be interesting to see if they're better than expected. And, of course, that game in Seattle will be tough. But let's not forget the Utes have won in Seattle. So That's they, right. They've got the track record there. So uh, then they finish up with Colorado. Um, Pac-12 championship game, probably presumptuous to talk about. But how do you think the Utes, I mean, they beat Oregon last year. If they were to meet up with Oregon and Justin Herbert again or meet up with the Huskies, do you think they'll give a better fight than they did last year? Even though last year you could say it went down to that flu play they were right there but they did need to put some points on the board yeah i would think if they could hold their opponent to 10 points this year they're going to win that game you know, last year they didn't have any offense so um and so they only got three points but it's just hard to say at this point you know how good is oregon going to be you know they oregon's hasn't been the oregon of five years ago right and they had this new coach and he really hasn't got it going yet and Washington is down a little bit from last year. So, yeah, of course, if Utah gets that game, they should have as good a chance as they had last year, if not better. All right, Mike, and put you on the, uh, put you on the uh, 
stage here with the spotlight and everything shining on you. What's Utah's record going to be? <laughs> well, as I, you know, I actually put it in writing today in a column, and I said the most likely scenario would be ten and two. That's just going by, you know, I think they can be 12-0. and 0. You know, if they get momentum going, they could win every game. Uh, but my only problem is, is that Utah, those games at USC and Washington, they're not, they may have a hard time winning both of those games. And then it just seems like every year, and you can go back in history, that there's been one, one week where Utah just hasn't brought it, or for whatever reason, they've lost a game they shouldn't have lost. It's kind of a head-scratcher. So that, you know, that might happen again. I would think 10-2 and two should be what they should be as, as a bottom this year, but that might be what they end up at, you know. No, I, I agree with you, Mike. I think 10-2 and two is a very uh, safe bet, you know, and I think, like you said, the USC and Washington games are concerns because they're on the road against good teams. Uh, Washington State at home, I think, is a concern that can go the way. And then I really think that Arizona game at the end of the year could be tricky, just depending on how healthy the Utes are and, you know, if Khalil Tate returns to be yeah, if Khalil he's, Tate. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. Be, it could be a challenge, but, uh, you know, the Utes, uh, one thing I got out of Pac-12 media days, they're very confident, and I think they're thinking 12-0, and but they're not going to say it publicly. I think if anybody does, uh, Whittingham will be all over them. And, uh, but, you know, I think the safe bet is 10-2, and and that's a heck of a season for any team, really. Yeah, it is. And if they did get to 12-0, and you know, people probably haven't talked about it, and they don't want to maybe, that they would have a good chance at the, going in the final, the college the playoff, playoff, you yeah. know. Can you believe that? Because <laughs> undefeated teams, there's, not, there's only usually a couple by that point. Especially and, in a Power 5. Yeah, and so if they could make it to that point, even with kind of a weak non-conference schedule, you know, they, they would have a shot at that, you know, but that's that's a long ways out and that's a lot of luck and, you know, you have to, you can't let down any week, but that's just a possibility. But most likely they're going to probably lose one or two games and if things go bad with injuries and stuff, it could be, you know, even more than that. All right, let's jump to the postseason then. Let's, uh, this Utah team, what we've discussed this, has the potential to, to maybe reach the college football playoff, but at least the Pac-12 championship game. And like you said, Mike, if I think it probably just comes down to the fact that they can put just even a a small amount of points on the board, a lot more than they did last year. You know, another 10 points, you know, could make a big difference uh, in a game like this. And then no fluke plays like Washington had, they'll be okay. But uh, I kind of see them maybe going, uh, best scenario, going to the Rose Bowl, winning the Pac-12 and getting there. Because I I do think they'll probably get beat a time or two along the way. But if they don't, um, you can say the sky's the limit, but uh, there's Alabama and Clemson at the end of the road for anybody trying to win a national championship. and, And that might be a real tall order for anybody, not just the Utes. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, you know, that's like I say, that's, that'd be the ultimate if they could get to the playoffs. Um, but, um, you know, they may end up in the Rose Bowl, which would be great. And if they lose a couple of games, they're probably going to go to the Holiday Bowl again or the Alamo Bowl, you know, which are both good bowls. But, you know, you want them to, you know, you got to shoot for the Rose Bowl. That would be, at this point, they've never done that. And then if they just happen to run the table, they could maybe go all the way to the, the playoffs. But uh, that's a long ways away. We'll have to see what happens in the, before then. Well, Mike, what's your final word before the Utes open camp? Uh, is it all about these high expectations, or are there some things you want to see uh, transpire? Well, I think we talked about a lot about I think you have to have, uh, you know, people maybe underestimate the the kickers, you know, that that's if those guys don't come through, then they could lose a couple of close games that they've won in the past. And if uh, a couple of these main guys get injured, you know, they got some guys behind Zach Moss, but, you know, they need him to stay healthy. And I think Huntley, you know, he needs to stay healthy. And Britton Covey needs to kind of hopefully have another year like he's had. So, you know, those guys are key on the offense. And then the defense, you just got all those, you know, they got they're pretty stacked at the defensive line and uh, in defense. Of backfield and the linebackers need to come through. So yeah, I think they're going to have a good year, and uh, it may not be twelve and zero, but they should win nine or 10, 11 games and have a, a good season. 
Norman, I agree with you, and I think one thing to watch in camp is the offensive line. Obviously, they're they, you know looking for two or three new starters up there, and obviously, if they can't block well up front, that's going to block you know stagnate the offense a little bit. So I'm interested to see what Andy Ludwig does to counter that lack of experience up front and utilize the weapons that you have. You know, they always say when you have a senior quarterback, uh, those are when really good things happen. So we'll see if that happens with Tyler Huntley this year. Folks, we appreciate you joining us for this special summer edition of the Deseret News Youth Insiders podcast. Uh, We'll be back with you soon, and thanks for listening.